Stand with me, if you will, and go to the book of Esther, the book of Esther, chapter number one. Amen. Brother Austin did an awesome job at National Youth Convention in one of the morning services. Amen. And so excited about that and all of our church folks that have helped and worked and just excited about what God's doing. Amen. Esther, the book of Esther, chapter number one. Verse number 10 through 12, and then we're going to skip down to verse 16. If you found Esther chapter number 1 and verse 10, say amen. amen. On the seventh day, when the heart of the king was merry with wine, he commanded Mehuman, Biztha, Harbona, Bigtha, and Abagtha, and Zethar, and Carcass. There's only one of those that was easy to say. Next time I preach this, I'm going to just start at verse 11. The seven chamberlains that served in the presence of Ahasuerus the king. To bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal. To show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look on. But the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment by his chamberlains. Therefore was the king very wroth and his anger burned in him. Verse 12 said the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment. Verse number 16, and Mimucan answered before the king, and the princes, Vashti the queen hath not done wrong to the king only, but also to all the princes and all the people that are in all the provinces of the king Ahasuerus. For this deed the queen shall come abroad unto all women, so that they shall despise their husbands in their eyes. When it shall be reported, the king Ahasuerus commanded Vashti the queen to be brought in before him, but she came not. Likewise, so all the ladies of Persia and Media, say this day unto all the king's princes which have heard of the deed of the queen, thus shall there arise too much contempt and wrath. What they're saying is if the queen, the bride, won't do what the king asks then why would anyone else do? Verse 19, if it please the king, let there go a royal commandment from him and let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not altered, that Vashti come no more before the king Ahasuerus and let the king give her royal estate unto another that is better than she. Verse 12, but the, king, the queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment. We'll preach a message this morning for a little while titled, She Loved the Crown More Than the King. She loved the crown 
more than the king. God, I pray you have your way. Anoint me to preach. Anoint ears to hear. Let the anointing of your spirit move in this place. God, confirm your word with signs following. Let the power and the demonstration of your spirit be manifested and evident here. God, let the Holy Ghost cause conviction to come on our hearts. God, to guide us and to draw us to your presence. Confirm your word with signs following. Do a work of the Holy Ghost here in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Give the Lord a good hand clap of praise. You can be seated in Jesus' name. The Bible is the account of God's relationship with mankind. It is more a book of relationship than it is a book about rules and regulations. It's 66 books in two testaments. And these books and testaments put God front and center. In the book, in this book, the law of Moses is about God's covenant with Israel and how he built that relationship. The prophets are God's mouthpieces. The last 17 books of the Old Testament are primarily words straight from God to his people. The Gospels focus on Jesus' life, his ministry, how Jesus, God, manifests in the flesh, is the main character in all four Gospels, but really in all 66 books. It's all about Jesus. As it turns out, out of the 66 books of the Bible, there are two books that don't mention God at all. One of them is the Song of Solomon. In it, there are two primary characters. One is the groom and the other is the bride. It's a type of God and his church. And though it does not speak specifically and use the word God, it is the story of how God has built relationship with his bride. The other book that does not mention God at all is the book of Esther. The book of Esther focuses primarily on two Jews in the palace of the Persian Empire. One of them, an honorable, godly man named Mordecai, who was a member of the king's guard. And the other main character is his niece, Esther, a beautiful girl who would eventually become the king over the entire, the queen over the entire kingdom. It is the story of deliverance and of God's protection. It highlights the integrity, the loyalty, and the bravery of Mordecai towards God and towards his word in the face of enemies and obstacles. Esther is the real hero in the book, as it is called by her name. But she is not the first female mentioned in the book. Before there was an Esther, there was another queen, and her name appears in the scripture as Vashti. This queen, Vashti, exits the scriptures almost as quickly as she enters them. 
She's only mentioned in two chapters of the Bible, Esther chapter 1 and chapter 2. Her name is only written 10 times. In the Word of God, we only learn a few things about Queen Vashti. We know she was married to the king of Persia. She was, by all accounts, extremely beautiful. In fact, her name, Vashti, it means excellent or best of women. It is probably safe to assume that the beginning of Vashti's relationship with the king was much like most relationships begin. He was a prince at the time who would become the king over the most vast kingdom in the world. He sees this girl, Vashti, who is named the most beautiful of women, and instantly his heart is overtaken with desire for her. He begins the process of courting her. She, like most young maidens, would be flattered by the attention of the future king and dreams of living in the palace. Walt Disney didn't invent that theme. Any and every young maiden would dream of the king's love and living in the royal court. An entourage to attend to every care and every desire. The best home, the best clothes, the best of everything. For the king, he has the most beautiful maiden in all the kingdom. Vashti, the most beautiful among women. The envy of every man in the land. Vashti was breathtakingly beautiful, and the king was smitten by her. No doubt Vashti was impressed also with the king. This was not some small tribal chieftain or some king of a tiny estate. The Bible said he reigned from Ethiopia to, in Africa all the way to India in Asia. He ruled 127 provinces. Vashti was the queen to the most powerful king in the world, which made her the most powerful woman in the world. However, as often happens in relationships, something happened to the passionate love of their youth. They went from passionate lovers to people who simply shared the same house. Somehow, the privilege of being in the presence of the king began to wear off. His voice no longer caused her heart to race. The sound of his approaching footsteps didn't move her anymore. Now, I grew up in the days before cell phones, before caller ID before cordless phones. Back in the 1500s when I grew up, we had a phone attached to the wall by a wire. And you could only go as far as the wire went. I remember my sister had a crush on a guy named Barry. I mean, it was a major crush, like only a teenage girl can have. 
she would call his parents' home number. And as soon as he answered, she'd hang up. She just wanted to hear his voice. After slamming the phone down, she was, now again, there's no caller ID at this time. She was giddy, like she was on some kind of drug or something. Because she got to hear Barry's voice. It was disgusting. <laughs> but just hearing his voice made her face turn red and her heart flutter. There was a time when Vashti's heart would flutter at the voice of the king. But now it's just noise. And let me back up and say that if you ever tell Barry that your sister's the one calling and hanging up, your sister will not be happy. But she ended up married to him, so I guess I did my part. There was a time when Vashti's heart would flutter at the voice of the king, but now it's just noise to her. Where at one point she loved being in his presence and hearing him call her name. Now it's an inconvenience. And so her heart begins to grow cold towards the king. She loved living in the palace, but she didn't really love the king anymore. She loved putting on the crown in the morning. She loved the beautiful garments. She loved being the queen and living in the palace, but she wasn't really in love with the king anymore. There were certainly benefits to wearing the crown. Who wouldn't love the crown? In literature and history, crowns represented power and victory and triumph and honor and glory. Righteousness and resurrection and immortality. Vashti loved the blessings of the crown. Because she wore the crown, she got to live in the palace. Because she wore the crown, all of her needs were met. Because she wore the crown, she had power and authority in the kingdom. Because of the crown, she got to host a banquet for all the women in the kingdom. Vashti loved the crown and the notoriety and what it did for her. But then the Bible tells us of a day that the king called for Vashti to come to him. The Bible says it was the seventh day of a great feast and the king gave a, gave a commandment, commandment to his chamberlains in Esther 1 and 11. The commandment was to bring Vashti the queen before the king with the crown royal. Now, if you're looking for an excuse to go get drunk, that's not what it's talking about. He wasn't going to drink crown royal with her. He wanted them to put the royal crown on her head. Everybody got that settled? With the royal crown to show the people and the princes her beauty, for she was fair to look upon. The king was proud of his bride and how beautiful she was. The sight of the king still, the queen still moved the king. He still loved it when the queen stepped into the room. There was something about her that brought joy to his heart. So he called for Queen Vashti to place the crown on her head and come into the royal banquet so that all the people could see how beautiful that his bride was. He wasn't ashamed of her. 
He was proud of his bride. He didn't want his bride stuck in some back room somewhere hidden from view. But the king intended for his bride to be front and center. She was the apple of his eye, his pride, and his joy. And Vashti loved the crown. But when the servants came and told her that the king called for her, the king wants you in his presence, she was not moved like she used to be. Maybe she was just in a comfortable place and didn't want to have to get up and get ready. Maybe she had other plans and didn't really want to change her schedule. Perhaps she was partaking in some hobby or pastime and just didn't want to be bothered by the king. I don't know why. The Bible doesn't really say the exact reason why. But the Bible said that when the king called her, Verse number 12, but Queen Vashti refused to come at the king's commandment. Whatever the reason was that she didn't show up, I can't say. But I do know that when the king called for her, that she had something better to do than to show up in his presence. And when that happened, something changed in the heart of the king at that moment. When she refused to come, it changed something in the heart of the king. Perhaps he had sensed it, a change in her attitude towards him over the last few days or weeks or months or even years. Maybe in the back of his mind, he had noticed something different in her voice or her body language. Or maybe she didn't look at him quite like she used to. And then when he calls for her and she refuses to come, it confirms something that he had sensed a long time ago. The queen does not really love me anymore. The queen is the example of the kingdom. If Vestai, his bride, can dishonor the king, then everyone else in the kingdom can refuse to come when he calls. And so if he can't get his bride to move, how will he ever get anyone else to move? And if he can't get his bride to answer his call, how will he get anyone else to ever answer the call? And so on, on the heels of her refusal to come, Esther 1 and 19 says, if it pleased the king, let there go a royal commandment from him. And let it be written among the laws of the Persians and the Medes that it be not altered. You can't change it. Once it's written in the law book, that's just the way it is. That vast tide come no more before the king. Never again will the king call her voice, her name. Never again will the king bid her to his presence. Never again will he touch her and ask her to come towards him. She forgot that though she loved the crown, that the only reason she had the crown was because she had a relationship with the king. And if there's no relationship with the king, then there's no crown on her brow. And if there's no crown on her brow, there's no banquets, there's no palace, there's no throne, there's no riches, there's no glory. And when he stripped her of the crown, he banished her from the palace. And all the benefits of living in the king's presence 
all the benefits of having the king's name and all the benefits of wearing the queen's crown were all gone because she refused to come when he called her. She loved the crown, but she fell out of love with the king. And so today, this story serves as a reminder to the church, the bride of Christ, the queen of the king of kings. The church, like Vashti, fell in love with the king. There's no king like Jesus. There's no God like our God. There's no Lord like our Lord. He is the king of all kings and the Lord of all lords. And just like the king brought Vashti into his palace, the Lord picked me up out of miry clay. He brought me out of sin and he brought me into his church, the house of the living God. He brought me into the household of the king. He called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I was nothing when the king found me. I had nothing when the king found me. If not for the king, I never would have had peace and I never would have had joy and I never would have had grace and I never would have had redemption. But he looked and he pulled me out of sin. He gave the king Vashti all the blessings of living in the palace. The Bible said the Lord daily loadeth us with benefits. I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. I'm going to tell you it's a blessing to belong to the king of kings. It's a privilege to serve him and to be in his church. I don't hang my head and say, I got to go to church again today. I don't hang my head and say, I got to live for God today. I don't hang my head and say, I wish God would just leave me alone. It's a privilege to be a child of God. It's a privilege to be in the bride of Christ. It's a privilege to be in the church. I had nothing until he found me. I was nothing until he found me. And everything I have, I only have because of him. Because because I'm in the bride of Christ, I have hope for heaven. Because I'm in the bride of Christ, I have a promise of healing virtue. Because I'm in the bride of Christ, I have the expectation of his anointing and his power. Because I'm in the church, I don't fear hell anymore. Because I'm in the church, I'm not threatened by the grave. Because I'm in the church, I'm filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. I love the crown. I love being saved. I love being born again. I love having the Holy Ghost. I love being baptized in Jesus' name. I love having peace and joy. Maybe you don't love it, but I love it. I'm thankful, God, that you pulled me out of where I was and you brought me into your presence. Every time I come to the house of God, I feel a call of God to worship him. Every time I hear an apostolic preacher preach, I feel a call of God to come and appear before him. Can I tell you, the Lord loves it when his bride appears before him. He's not ashamed of his church. 
This world may not see what he sees in it, but I'm going to tell you, he loves his church more than he loves anything else in the world. Amen. The Bible said his heart was in his house and his eyes were on it perpetually. God has a soft spot for people that come and appear before him. I felt the king calling me this morning, early in the morning when I was in my office thinking about this service. I felt the presence of God come into that office. I'm going to tell you, I love feeling his presence it still it still excites me I still get excited when I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost amen when now it wasn't just because it was my daughter singing but when she started singing I delight I delight in him there where I could feel something change in my heart it was a draw of the spirit I felt the king saying come on come on Vashti come on come close to me did you feel it I saw you feel it because I saw your hands go up I saw you come to the altar I saw you begin to respond to his presence there's still some I still love it brother Austin I've been I'm 52 years old I was raised on an apostolic pew amen when I when, when I was the church I grew up in it wasn't a big church by any means but it but it wasn't little either but it, the building brother Terrence that we had it had old wood floors and we couldn't afford to carpet the whole thing and so back in those days if you couldn't afford to carpet the whole building you carpeted the aisles and the altar but under the seats it was no carpet you remember those days Y'all always been rich, hadn't you? Hard to hide, hard to hide money when you got it, ain't it? And, and so, so we had the, just the old hardwood underneath the pews because we didn't raise enough money to carpet underneath the pews. And so if you were shouting in the aisles or in the altar, then you could do it quietly. But if you were shouting in the pews, it sounded like tap dancing horses everywhere. Amen. And our, our church wasn't exactly like this one. That, almost everybody in our church was fat. Y'all should have said amen there. I'll let y'all off the hook there. My mama was a big lady, bless her heart. And when she'd shout, I'd be underneath the pew sleeping. And when she'd shout, those big, those heels would hit that hardwood floor. It sounded like she was about to tap dance my head off. I'd move on back to the people. I'd kind of roll under the pew a little bit further back to make sure mama didn't step on me when she shouted a little bit. Amen. But I remember those days. I remember those days when I'd be underneath the pew and I'd be just maybe playing with cars or doing whatever kids do in church. And then I could sense that something was different in the atmosphere of the room. I could hear people beginning to worship. And about that time, I'd put my car down and I'd look up over the pew and I'd see people worshiping God because there was something powerful about when the king stepped into the room. Oh, hallelujah. I don't ever want to lose. I don't ever want to lose. I don't ever want to lose the feeling that comes when I feel the presence of God step into the room. Come on, God, step in right now. Come on, Lord. Let your, if your presence will come in the room, I promise I'll respond. I remember when I first really, really got serious about living for God. I was serious about living for God when I was little because my dad told me I was. And back in those days, now, I'm not, now, now look, I, I guess I'm feeling nostalgic a little bit. But I remember in those days, you got in trouble. You didn't get taken out to play. You got taken out to get taken out. Amen. 
if, if mom or pop snatched us up to take us out because we were acting up, you would hear, I mean, it would sound like, like, it would sound like the night before the rapture. Oh, God, no. We didn't want to go to the bathroom to go to the bathroom. We knew we got to the bathroom. We were getting a whooping, and we were being brought back. And I didn't think it was abuse. Well, I might have thought it then, but it wasn't. Amen. I didn't get rewarded for being a brat. Oh, by the way, that reminds me of something my wife asked me to do. We have mugs and bags for our guests back in the discipleship room, and somebody keeps going in that room and opening them up and stealing the candy out of them. That's you. I pray your lips turn purple, and we all know you stole with the love of the Lord. And they snatch us up. We go down that aisle. Every kid would be crying, oh, God, no, no. Then the other kids would be crying for us. It was sympathy. Because there was something powerful about the house of God. It wasn't like Walmart. Well, back then it was Kmart. It wasn't like going down to the grocery store. It wasn't like just going down to the, the, the corner quick stop to get something. There was something about the house of God that when we stepped in there, we knew we're in the presence of the king and there was something about it that just got a hold of my heart. I remember, I remember when I made up my mind to live for God on my own and I prayed through and I really was living for God with all my heart. I could not wait, I could not wait to get to church. I was so excited to get to church. I was so excited to get to the, the house of God. Man, I, 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 couldn't, there was a, I couldn't get to church fast enough. I worked at the public library. It was my job to put the books on the shelves. And, uh, and, and when I would leave, we'd had church on Tuesday night and Thursday night. And I'd get off work just barely in time to get to church. I just barely had enough time to get there right as church was starting. And, and, and if, I, if I dawdled at all, I wasn't going to make it in time for the first song. So I'd be driving. I had a 78 Buick LeSabre. The thing was as long as this center aisle. Amen. The front of the car got to church 10 minutes before I did. Had velour seats, you know, like Velcro. They were terrible. My dad, I had a 78 Plymouth that, that, had, that was a good fast car. He made my dad maybe give it to my brother-in-law. Because he blew his car up racing, and he was due in Fort Dix, New Jersey for basic the next day. And so my dad said, or not for basic, for AIT, and my dad said, give him your car. And I said, well, I paid for it myself. He said, I said, give him your car. I said, but, Pop, I paid payments on that car myself. He said, if you want to live here, give him your car. I held out the keys. He said, I'll help you get another car. What he meant by help me get another car was find me a 78 Buick LeSabre that I could pay for myself. I'd get in that old Buick LeSabre, and it had, a, it had a thermostat issue. And so I'd have to pull over and let it cool off halfway. I was only five miles from the church. I'd have to let it cool off halfway to the church. I'd pull off, and I'd let it cool. And, and, and because, because of that, I didn't have time to get to church, go to the restroom to change my clothes for my church clothes. So while my car was cooling off, I changed clothes in the car. Don't tell anybody. Because I, I knew I wanted to get there. I didn't want to waste time. I didn't want to waste church time doing other. I want, when, I, when church started, I wanted to be ready to worship from the very beginning because there was something about stepping into the presence. Oh, God. Oh, God. 
there was something about stepping into the presence of the king that still excited me. I couldn't wait to get to church. It didn't matter to me if it was Tuesday night, Thursday night, Sunday morning, or Sunday night. I just wanted to be in the presence of the king. I wanted to hear him call my name. How bad did anybody remember when you first got the Holy Ghost? Am I preaching to anybody yet? Anybody remember when you first got the Holy Ghost and you could not wait? You couldn't wait to get in the presence of God. Every church you'd ever been to had been as dead as dead could be. You couldn't make a sound without getting in trouble or getting shushed. And then you came in here and all of a sudden you could say, I love you, Jesus. And nobody's going to look at you funny. And you could wave your hand and say, I love you. And nobody's going to ask. You remember what that felt like? Oh, God have mercy. Oh, God have mercy. Remember what it was like when you came to the altar and got the Holy Ghost for the first time and you didn't know what it was, but you knew there was nothing else like it. It's like my sister. Hello? I got to hear his voice. I got to hear his voice. She didn't say anything. She just got to hear his voice. And now her face is all red. Her neck's all splotchy red. She's giggling. She's sweating. And I'm about to throw up. <laughs> but she wasn't worried about what I thought. It didn't matter to her one little bit what I thought about it. Because I didn't love him like she did. She didn't care. when she, she loved him enough, she didn't care what anybody thought about her. She didn't care that I sat around and laughed and made fun of my retarded sister. Yeah. Calling on the phone, just hanging up. If you're going to call, say something. She didn't care what I thought about that. She didn't care that I thought she was crazy. She didn't care that I thought she was out of her mind. She had no little care whatsoever, one little bit about what I thought, because she loved the person on the other end of the line. Amen. And when we come to this place, I don't care one thing about what you think about me. It doesn't matter to me if you think I'm out of my mind, if I'm crazy, if I'm just a crazy preacher. Because I'm not in love with you as much as I'm in love with him. I still get moved when he calls my name. I still get moved when his presence steps into the room. Back when I pastored in Indiana, we had this lady, she, her name was Sister Hagerman. She was a little short, little short, red-headed ball of fire. She was as wild as wild could get. She'd come into church and she'd just be bouncing all the time, bouncing, bouncing, bouncing. Just uncontrollable. We're having church one time, and in the middle of the worship service, I hear somebody whistle. You know, it's one of those, I can't do it. I can't, I can't hardly whistle at all. I whistle worse than I sing. But somebody, can anybody, who, who can do a whistle like Marshall? Yeah, well, was that you? Praise the Lord. I thought I'd never see Sister Hagerman again. In the middle of worship service, somebody did that. Do it, if you don't mind. Yeah, and, and I'm like, where did that come from? I thought somebody's calling a dog or something. 
and we went on a little bit more, and, and I just, just got my eyes closed. The next thing I know, I hear it again. You might as well stay on ready. And, and finally, about the third time, I realize who it is, and she's over there bouncing a pool. Then when church was over, I had one of those sanctified folks come up to me. Um, Pastor, may I talk to you for a minute? Well, sure, sure, sure. I don't think that it's appropriate that Sister Hagerman whistles like that in church. This is a holy place. I'm just standing there. I'm like, I'm 27, never pastored before. Young, dumb, smart aleck. I, got all, I, I still have two out of three, but I'm not young anymore. And I'm listening to this guy complain about her worship. And then I remembered in the service, he sat there like a bump on a log. And so I asked him, I said, well, what's more sacrilegious? To find a way to worship or just to sit there and do nothing like you did? Because there was a time when God pulled him out of the bar room that he would have been the first one in the altar to worship. But now he loves the crown, but he doesn't love the king anymore. He loves being saved, but he doesn't love the savior. He loves being healed, but he doesn't love the healer. He loves being delivered, but he doesn't love the deliverer anymore. And so anything that gives glory to the savior is too far out of the way. What he didn't realize. What he didn't realize is that when Sister Hagerman, before she was Sister Hagerman, she was just the, the wife of a drunk, a wife of a man that was so depressed that he sat down in a chair and he had a pistol and he put the pistol to his head and she begged him, don't pull the trigger, don't pull the trigger. And so he called some online, some, some prayer line from some, some, some religious program and over the phone, whoever answered the phone, they prayed him through to the the Holy Ghost and he, he started talking in tongues with the pistol in his hand and when God turned her family around she doesn't care if you think she's crazy she's glad her husband didn't blow his brains out she doesn't care if you think she's sacrilegious she's glad she didn't go to a funeral that week I'm telling you somebody needs to fall in love with the king again. I love him, 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 I love him. I don't want to get so used to the palace that I love the palace more than I love the king. I feel the king calling me. I feel the king calling all of us. Brother Devin, it's really easy to learn how to have church. We're professional church havers. We know when to clap our hands. We know when we're supposed to stand. We know when we're supposed to sit. You know I'm supposed to quit in 10 minutes. We're professional church havers.
And you know what? We've been in this incubated environment so long that we know exactly when to do what we're supposed to do. Pastor Prince, can I admit that there's times I raised my hands because I knew that's what we're supposed to do? But I wasn't thinking about the king. And I was clapping my hands to the music, but I wasn't thinking about the king. And I knew the preacher was screaming, so that means I should stand up. And so I stood up, but I wasn't really thinking about the king. Because I've fallen so in love with the palace and the crown. I've fallen so in love with the benefits of the kingdom. I've fallen so in love with the crown and the throne and the robe. And the food and all the stuff that comes along. I'm so in love with being able to be healed and delivered and set free. And I'm so in love with being able to have peace at night. And I'm so in love with being able to express. And I'm so in love with all the stuff that comes from being in the palace that I'm afraid sometimes that we love being in the palace more than we love the king of the palace. And I want all the benefits of the kingdom, but just don't make me have to interact too much with the king. And so Vashti loves everything about the palace. But when the king says, bring Vashti, she's so beautiful. She still takes my breath away. Have her put on the crown and have her step into the banquet room so everyone can see how beautiful that my bride is. And he calls for her, Vashti, would you come into the room? Vashti, would you step into the room? Vashti, where are you, Vashti? Would you, would you come into my presence? The Bible said she refused to come at the king's commandment. And then it made sense. Those times when he'd look at her and she'd look the other way. Those times when he'd reach out for her hand and she'd pull it back. Those times when he would step into the room and all of a sudden something would come up and she'd have to go somewhere else. All of a sudden it makes sense. She doesn't love me like she used to. She loves taking my riches and she loves the benefits of my palace. She loves everything about being the queen except she doesn't love the king anymore. God, I promise you I'm not here just because I don't want to go to hell. God, I'm not just here in case something terrible happens and I need you. I'm not here, God, just so you'll keep my children safe. I'm not here just because I'm afraid I'll get cancer and won't be able to pray for healing. God, I'm not here just because I'm afraid of what might happen if I don't. God, I'm telling you, I'm here because I'm still in love with the king. And it's not a bother for me to worship. And it's not a bother for me to pray. And it's not too much a burden for me to live holy because I still love the king. 
As your eyes are closed all over this place, I feel the call of the king. The Bible said when she refused to come, that all that time that he had realized there was something different, now he realizes, and the Bible said the king was wroth. His anger was kindled within him. He said, if you don't want to come into my presence, that's fine. I'll never call for you again. You'll never again feel that tug. My chamberlain will never knock on the door of your room again. But Vashti, here's the truth. You can't have all the benefits of the palace without a relationship with the king. And so Vashti was banished from the palace and banished from his presence and his search for a suitable bride ensued. And so he brought this dirty little girl. She was beautiful, but she was a mess. It took six months of bathing in myrrh for her to finally become presentable. But while she was dirty and while she was a mess, he saw beauty in her. And he said, give me some time and I can turn her into a queen. And then there's another banquet. And he didn't call for Esther. But Esther loves him in a way that he doesn't have to call for her to show up. She just steps into his presence because she's the queen. As your eyes are closed, does anybody feel the call of the king this morning? I prayed specifically this morning that God would send conviction into this house. I prayed specifically this morning that God would convict our hearts. If there's any element within us that loves the palace and the crown more than we love the king. As your eyes are closed, I'm preaching to somebody. I'm preaching to us today. But sometimes when it's time to worship, your first thought is, oh, I don't feel like it. Not the king is calling. The king is calling. What if the king was to step into the room right now and call? Would you have something else to do? Would there be another priority? Would there be something else? anybody that wants to come and pray? Is there anybody that wants to come and say, God, help me to stay in love with the King? The things that drew me when I was dirty and nobody cared and you still reached out for me. I want to love you like I did when you pulled me out of the drug house or the bar room or out of dead religion. 
I want to love you like I did when you restored my mind and my spirit and my heart. I want to get the same thrill that I got 40 years ago when I first got the Holy Ghost. I want that same, I want that same feeling. I want to love the king more than I love the crown. That if you never call me again, I'll still worship. And if you never touch me again, I'll still worship. If you never heal me again, I'll still, I'll reach out to you because I love the king more than I love the crown. Oh, that's right. Come on, it's time to pray all over this place. folks there's a move of the Holy Ghost here right now there's a deep move of the Spirit here right now you ought to press into his presence
love him, can you sing that right now? Can you sing that to him? It don't have to be pretty. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Come on, let's worship him. Make him the center of your life again. Make him the center of your life again. Put him at the forefront of your life right now. Nothing else matters. No one else matters like him. Somebody sing, oh, how I love you, Jesus. Because he loved us first. We love him because he because of who he is, because he is love. Lift your hands one last time, one last time, and just love on him. Why don't you tell him from the bottom of your heart, Lord, I love you more than anything. I love you more than anything. I love you more than anything. I love you with all my heart, with all my soul with all my might I love you and I thank you for loving me Jesus when I was unlovable I thank you for loving me hallelujah 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 Jesus name Jesus name clap your hands to the Lord and give him praise for the word today we're leaving this place with our hearts in the right place with our minds stayed on him Jesus' name. Remember, ministry class at four. If that applies to you, be free at five. And then, of course, this applies to everybody. Prayer at six o'clock and church at 6.30. To any of our guests, to all of our guests, we'd love to meet and greet you today at the meet and greet right now after service. We, we bless you in the name of Jesus. You can be dismissed.